Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan, and I'm your host for the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Rob Bear, who is known for instilling the importance of fitness at an early age as a gym teacher, propelling athletes to their fullest potential as a high school track and field coach, and inspiring the readers of his book, Braving Your Adversity. Coach Bear, welcome to episode one of the American Grown Podcast. Austin, it is great to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. Awesome, Coach. So I got to ask, how was practice today? I assume you just came from track and field practice. Just came from track and field practice. As you remember in your high school days, two of the best hours you can spend any day, any month, any year. So we had a great practice today. We're getting ready and raring to go for some exciting uh, meets coming up in the future. Excellent. And uh, another question. Do you still do BBA, Building Better Athletes? I got to (laughs) know. That is a great question. So you remember BBA, Building Better Athletes, pretty challenging, pretty tough, plyometric work, strength work. We have gotten away from that a little bit. We do a couple other things differently, but in the wintertime, we still do do BBA, but in the springtime, we do some other things. Okay, you're not getting soft on me. I'm not getting soft. Hey, you remember, these are the days that champions are made. I do remember that very well. (laughs) So um, this Saturday, April 30th, is uh, Lebanon County Track and Field Meet. Um, How's the team looking, and and how do you think uh, they'll do against the local competition here? Yeah, so we know that the Lebanon County Championships is uh, the first meet in a series of meets that we call big meets. You know, it starts with the Lebanon County Championships, six great schools here in Lebanon County getting together for a track and field meet. Everybody brings their own style. Everybody brings their own talent and their toughness to it. So we're excited about this Saturday. The Palmyra boys are really, really good. They bring a lot of speed to the table. They can jump. They can throw. They can hurdle. So we know that they will be a great challenge. And on the girls' side, uh, Palmyra does some things really well. Anvil girls, Elko girls. So it should be a great meet. They're talking 66 degrees and sunny with no wind. We'll take it. Wow. Yeah, that'll be very nice. I know today was... I think up to 20 mile per hour winds or something for practice. Yeah, yeah, we we like to run when the wind's at the back. That's for sure. That's for <laughs> sure. So, uh, you know, Coach Bear, uh, take me. And for those that don't know, um, yes, I graduated from Cedar Crest in 2011, and and Coach Bear uh, was the head coach and still is a head coach at Cedar Crest. Um, I learned a lot and have a lot of respect for you as a coach and uh, what you've been through and and how you handle yourself. Uh, and stillness, the instillness that you sure. pass down to other athletes, I think is phenomenal. Well, I tell you uh, what, yes, I wouldn't be able to do those things without guys like you. I mean, I can still remember you being a team captain for us back in 2011, yeah. and you walked around that field house locker room every single day and asked every single kid, "How you doing? Let's go. Let's have a great practice." That's what it's all about. That's yeah. what leadership is. Leadership is the act of making a difference. You were a great leader for us. You instilled those qualities in the people that graduated after you and it's still going to this day so oh, thanks phenomenal. for everything you did oh yeah thanks coach. Yeah. <laughs> no I, I definitely enjoyed my time at cedar crest track and fields a lot of fun so i want to kind of uh, throw it back or go back to um your early childhood your early life and you know what kind of made you uh, the person you are today yeah, so when I was growing up, I did not like to work out. Really? <laughs> didn't like to be outside, didn't like to work out. You know why? Because I grew up on a dairy farm. Okay. So I quickly learned the importance and the value of hard work, 
saving a dollar. My, uh, my father taught me those two very important qualities, characteristics, hard work and saving a dollar. My mom taught me everything else that I learned. So I grew up on a dairy farm. We milked 84 black and white Holstein cows, wow. uh, long summer nights, cold early morning winters, you know, milking those cows. So back in the day, I didn't realize how lucky I was to grow up like that. But looking back on it, I wish every child had an opportunity to learn hard work like that mm-hmm. because I think uh, I think the world would be a better place if everybody learned the value of hard work. So, yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't, didn't enjoy working out. I had an older brother, Mike Bear, five years older than me. He started wrestling. Once he started wrestling, I thought, you know what, I'll start wrestling too. He's always been my hero. I've always looked up to him and everything he did, I wanted to try and do just as good, if not better than he did. He, he motivated me. And uh, picked up wrestling in upper elementary school and then started running in high school. And and the, the, the rest is history. I just uh, kept okay. run, run, running and running and running. So, so early on, you you, were very, you became very competitive with, with your older brother. I and, did. And strived to be the best you could be, but also maybe better, you know. Yes, that's exa- that was exactly the goal. I don't know if I've ever gotten better than Mike, but certainly he's been a great mo- role model and inspiration for me. So back then... Uh, and, and kind of fast forward to a little bit in uh, high school and college, um, were there any kind of role models, teachers, coaches that you might have had that um, helped, again, get you to where you are now or you've learned from? Absolutely. So I went to Northern Lebanon High School. Um, the teachers there inspired and motivated me to become the best person I could be. When I went to college, I was a chemistry major. And after about a year and a half, I thought, you know what? I don't want to spend my time in a lab the rest of my day. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I want to get out and, and be around young people. Mm-hmm. And I want to try and be a difference maker. So I thought, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to be a teacher and to be a coach. And fortunately, I was able to change my major to health and phys ed. And was able to get a job here in the county in the Cornwall Lebanon School District, teach at Ebenezer Elementary School. And I just had such great role models, uh, not just in high school, but in college. My professors, my wrestling coach, my track and field coach, my cross country coach, they, they were who I wanted to try and emulate. And they motivated me on a daily basis. So I had a lot of great role models growing up, uh, but none more important than, than my, my parents and, of course, my brother Mike. Okay, and and your parents, I, I know a little bit uh, Hershey Hershey Bear. You not, got it. That yep. name that name will never be forgotten. That Hershey is a Bear, great name. That is a great name. Um, was there any kind of life advice or, or uh, mantra that that he passed on to you, whether it was at a young age or maybe even in college? Yeah, you know, when I was in college and I was changing my major, I told my dad before I changed my major, hey, dad, I'm ready to come home. I don't want to be a chemistry person. I'm ready to come home and work on the farm and take over the family farm one day. Mm -hmm. But he was the word I'm trying to look for, maybe mature enough and, and smart enough to say, you know what, Rob, let's go to Messiah College, get your degree and see if you want to farm after you got your degree. But deep down inside, he had to know if I finished college and I got my degree that I probably wasn't going to be a farmer. So I think the thing that I take from my father, other than the value of hard work and saving a dollar, was just that he uh, swallowed his pride or just allowed me to pursue what I wanted to do in life rather than making me be a farmer and take over the family farm. So I'm really happy that he guided me in that direction because had he not done that, I wouldn't have been able to have so much fun the last 30 years teaching and coaching students. What advice do you have? Because you're involved heavily in with high school students, athletes, and college athletes, you know, that have moved on from Mm -hmm. Cedar Crest track and field. Um, 
So what advice would you have for them, whether it's life advice or, or maybe a, something to get through college yeah. if they're having a tough time? You, you just got to gotta stick to it. And there's going to be tough days. There's going to be challenging days. And we'll get to this in a little bit about Tiffany and her life. But anybody can do it on the easy days. You know, when that sun yeah. is shining and you feel like a million bucks and you're well rested, anybody can do it on those days. Those days don't tell you a whole lot about yourself. But it's on those days that are tough and those days that are challenging. And whether you might be sick or tired or you're stressed down or whatever it might be, you're anxious about something. Those are the days you have to reach deep inside the well and pull up the best version of yourself. So when it gets tough, you know, that's when the tough get going and that's when you have to rise to those challenges. Yes. No, I couldn't agree more. So uh, after college, you had got your you got your first coaching job yes. at uh, Cedarcrest High School. Can you, you tell me a little it. bit more about that and, and how did uh, you earn that? Yeah, so when I graduated college for the first year, I had to substitute. So I was actually coaching back at Northern Lebanon. I was a volunteer cross-country coach, and I was assistant track and field coach. But unfortunately, they didn't have any job openings for the next year. And fortunately, the Cornwall Lebanon School District did. And, uh, you know, you got to take the jobs when they're available. As much as I would have loved to have coached and taught at my alma mater, Northern Lebanon, with Jim Weaver, who was my coach back there. Great, great, great man. He taught me everything I need to know about coaching. I was fortunate enough to get into the Cornwall Lebanon School District, and the rest has been history. Yeah. And, and how uh, how long have you been coaching? I'm I'm not good with math. All yeah, time yeah. Head, so but the fall, fall of '91. So we're this is the 31st year. Wow, 31st year. Wow. I got a lot of gray hairs, Austin. So Cedar Crest got lucky. They, they got a great coach with you. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted also kind of like you said, bring up uh, Tiff your wife, um, sure. and her 15-year uh, battle with, with stage 4 cancer. I, I briefly remember, uh, I was in 7th grade, came out for track and field as a thrower, yeah. and uh, I believe she had came down to, to talk with us and, and yourself, you know, kind of a motivational uh, talk, and, you know, get the kids um, engaged and, and fired up and excited about the upcoming uh, junior high track season, because, again, it was in middle school, and I think mm-hmm. I first met Tiff and, and yourself, yeah. Yeah, so tomorrow is the day before the Lebanon County Championships, and Mm -hmm. Tiffany would always come speak to the high school team the day before the Lebanon County Championships. And she would just remind them things like, never give up, don't ever give up. And if you're nervous, it's okay. That's because it means something to you. And it was just good getting another voice in there for the kids to hear Mm -hmm. and someone to see because they could just look at her and they could tell that she was going through chemotherapy. She was battling tough times and with the breast cancer that had eventually spread to other locations of the body, like the the lung, the brain, and the liver, you know, kids could really relate to what she was going through, Mm -hmm. you know, the challenging and difficult times. And if she's telling them, hey, never give up, don't ever give up. It's a little bit more impactful coming from her rather than coming from me. And then she would always share the story or I would always share the story about how we, we first met back in 2000 and the kids always got a kick out of that. Okay. So how did, uh, how did you first meet for all our listeners out there that might yeah, not know the Yeah, story? it was uh, Cinco de Mayo, 2000, May 5th. Long day of teaching, long day of coaching, and my friends were going out to the Bluebird. Okay. Uh, yep. It was the first night the deck was going to be open for the summer, and oh man, I had gone home and mowed the lawn then. I was tired. I didn't feel like going out. Something got me to go out that night. Met my friends there, and uh, one of my buddies from, from high school walked over and said, hey, uh, you should come over and have a drink with uh, my fiance and her cousin Tiffany. Okay. So, yeah, okay, maybe maybe I'll come over. No, no, you should really come over. Well, well, give me a little bit of time. So he walked away. So I kind of leaned back in my chair, and I just wanted to see what I was getting myself into. And I looked down the row, and I see this 
beautiful blonde. Yeah, yeah. And I have a thing for blondes. Anyways, <laughs> I see this beautiful blonde. And I think, oh, man, I got no chance with a beautiful girl like that. And all my buddies at the gazebo are like, if you don't go over there soon, Rob, yeah. I'm going to go over there. So to make a long story short, I had a couple, as I always told you guys in high school, ice waters mm -hmm. to try and right. relax me. We know it wasn't ice water. Yeah. So after a few, uh, few of those ice waters, I worked my way over and we talked and uh, I asked her for her phone number and she gave it to me at the end of the night. I wanted to call her the next day so bad. I was so smitten by her, mm -hmm. but I waited the customary three or four days like I'm supposed to, asked her out and uh, within six months we were engaged and the next year we were married. Wow. Wow. So did she ever say what... Uh, when you first came over to her and introduced yourself, did Tiff ever say uh, what she thought about you? Or, or So or I could tell you this. Were you smooth? From <laughs> I probably was not smooth, but I could tell you this. From the moment I laid eyes on her, I knew, I knew there was a chance that she might be the one. She needed a little bit more convincing than I did. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And then, uh, so what was uh, life like with Tiff? And then uh, you had your son, Zach, and, um, and also Matt. Um, how, yes. how was that and, and how did the, the boys, you know, take finding out uh, about cancer? And uh, I mean, that, that impacts the whole family for sure. Sure. So for the first couple of years, we were good to go. And then after Tiffany had Zach, um, her cancer showed up about a year after that. We went through the chemotherapy, the, the radiation, the uh, surgeries, things like that. We got to the five-year cancer-free mark in 2010. And we thought, okay, this is it. We are cancer-free. Typically, you get to that point, 95% of cancers don't come back. Mm -hmm. And within 22 days, that's when they found the mass in the occipital lobe, the bre breast cancer, and moved to the brain. So she lived nine years after the cancer had moved. They call that stage four cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and she would just battle, and she would be tough. And I can just remember looking at her, especially the last few years of her life, and I would look at her before I went out the door each day and think, if she can do what she's doing, if she can battle this dreaded disease, I can certainly go be the best teacher, the best coach, the best father, and the best husband I can be. If she can do that, I can easily do what I need to do on a daily basis yeah. and, and do it with a positive attitude. Yeah, from, from what I remember with, with Tiffany, she'd always have a smile, at least when I saw her <laughs> at the track and field meets, you know, back in high school. And, and, you know, to know a little bit at that time what she was going through. But, of course, you're, you're a high school athlete, high school student. You know, you don't really have a, an understanding of, of the, the impact and, and, you know, what it was for the family. Um, so when you found out, when you first found out and as you were battling with Tiffany, um, you know, how did faith, hope, and courage help you and, and help the, the family. Those were her three big words. And when I wrote the book, we actually put that on the front cover. You know, how to brave your adversity with hope, faith, and courage. Tiff was always hopeful. If there was an oncologist, a doctor that didn't give her hope, because we had a couple times during those 15 years that the doctor said, hey, there's not much we can do anymore. She would go get a second opinion. She would refuse to accept the fact that her life was going to be cut super, super short. I remember when she had the brain cancer and we were all crying around the hospital bed thinking that she's only got a couple months to live. She had everybody stop. She said, everybody needs to stop crying. The Lord is not done with me yet. I'm going to outlive all of you and I'm going to be here to see Zachary graduate. 
While she didn't see Zachary graduate, she lived another seven years after that with stage four cancer. So she always needed to hope. She had a strong faith. She's a believer. Um, as she, she loved the Lord with all her heart. So we, we clung to Bible verses. Jeremiah 29, 11 was really big for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Okay. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope in a future. And of course, she was courageous. You know, there's a quote that goes something like, fate whispered to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior whispers back, I am the storm. That was Tiffany. She was the storm. And she was the one that was so courageous and so brave. So we really lived off those three words for 15 years. With, with tying into that, um, you know, your, your, yourself going through this on a, on a personal level, you know, you, you had to be very courageous and and always put on, you know, the best foot forward, let's say. Fake it um, till you make it. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I think maybe it helped because I saw here an avid runner, 45,000 plus miles logged. You got it. I don't yeah. know if, it's, if you have more than that yet. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm approaching 46,000 wow. next next two weeks. So do you think the the running, I know you'd started, it sounds like you started that early in your in your in absolutely your 1986 1986 yeah. did that become an emotional outlet for you and when you run did did you think of things or was it more just the peace yeah so for me i just needed exercise because if i didn't get that exercise i couldn't get my emotions out i couldn't get my anger out i had a lot of anger for a lot of time but i didn't want tiffany to see that because i didn't want anything affecting her fight so during those runs, during those bike rides, during those weightlifting sessions, that's when I got it all out. And at the end of that time, they're going, okay, now I'm going to go be the best possible caregiver I can be for Tiffany. So that's, and I still use that to this day. It helps me get through every day because I, I miss her. Every day I think of her, every day I, I miss her. I know she's in a better place. Right. I know she suffers no more, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I miss her. So you mentioned being being angry did that fueled your run? Yeah, angry at the fact that someone who was so kind, yes. so sweet, my soulmate, mm -hmm. my partner, my best friend had to go through that, you know. It took a long time to realize that Tiffany and I's plan wasn't the same as God's plan and and his plan. So his plan was for us to spend 20 years together and she was the best possible coach's wife or spouse anybody could ever ask for and I hope I was at least a good enough caregiver for her to help her through her challenging and difficult times. So yeah, that's kind of how that all worked out. Well, I'd say you were a coach for sure. <laughs> Thank and you. Uh, I do believe that everything happens for a reason, whether we like it or not, mm -hmm. or you know, whether it's in our plans or not. There is a higher power for sure mm -hmm. um, guiding us. As you're running and, and you're setting these, these goals, um, how do you, how do you personally go about setting goals, whether it's for, uh, the, you know, the upcoming track season sure. or you're running or just life in general? I think goals is all about being consistent. You know, I had seen something on Twitter at the change of the year on, you know, January and how people aren't setting goals anymore because they're not achieving them and things like that. I'm thinking that's, that's the wrong attitude to have. You have to set goals. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent in your desire to be great. You want to be a difference maker. You can be a difference maker in every situation in your life, whether it's being a spouse, a brother, a sister, a teacher, a coach, a coworker, a, a workout partner at the gym, your church, your team, whatever it might be, you know, set those goals, challenging yourself to be the best you can be. We continue to set goals with the high school track and field and cross country teams, and we're going to do it uh, for the rest of my coaching career. That's for sure. 
so to go to go back to hinted at um, a lot of New Year's, everyone makes their resolutions, mm-hmm. but they don't follow through. Uh, whether it's eating better or cutting out soda, uh, drinking less, whatever, maybe working out more. Now, did you say cutting out soda because you know that's my vice? Well, I, honestly, <laughs> I, I just found that out uh, today for everyone listening. Uh, I didn't know Coach Bear drank soda, so that was a shock. I'm not going to lie, uh, but I just wondered um, why you, why you think that is. Um, you know, and, and then it seems like less people now are committing to that because sure. like you said, they're not going to do it. But, but why is it, why do you think that is? You know, that's a good question and, and I can't find that out. But if I would have to guess, you know, I think it's important that we all find out what drives, inspires, and motivates us, you know, and when we find it, I think it's important that we write it down. So each morning I'll, I'll read a devotional book. I've been reading the same devotional book for the last four years by Tony Dungy, Uncommon Daily Life Challenge. He used to be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Colts. obviously won the Super Bowl. And uh, I have a co- note card in there. On one side, it has hashtag Team Tiff. That's what drives, inspires, and motivates me. You know, every day that I do that devotional and I look at hashtag Team Tiff, I remember, yes, I want to emulate the life that she lived for all those years and the battles that she fought because I can be the best teacher, the best coach, son, brother, father, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then the other thing I think it's important for people to find is find a word that will keep you locked in and focused. And for me, it's passionate. It's important for me to be passionate about what I do. If I lose my passion for teaching or coaching, I don't want to be average or mediocre or so-so. Let's challenge ourselves to be the best that we can be. So find what drives, inspires, and motivates you. Write it down. Look at it every single day. And find a word that can keep you locked in and focused. And I think that'll help a lot. Understood. And when, when you say uh, hashtag Team Tiff, I saw your, your pink bracelet. Yes. Uh, I remember I remember getting one or having one. Um, is that something you still – do you still – sell those i forget what the uh, yeah so we still give those to kids on the team okay in fact i just ordered 200 more today because we ran out and this is the last this will be the last team that ever heard tiffany give a talk i was just gonna say so they were freshmen when she passed away so after this pretty much no one on the team will ever have heard her speak no one on the team will ever have met her but hopefully through the book and through the pink wristbands, the kids wear pink headbands in the relays, and through my talking of sharing about Tiffany, hopefully her legacy will live a lifetime. Right, and then you'll continue to spread uh, awareness exactly. to, to, the, to the future athletes as well. Exactly. Um, earlier on, you mentioned your motto, never give up, don't ever give up. Uh, I think it's so profound. What, what is the drive behind that? Can you go in a little bit more about sure. that? Sure. Yeah, so yeah. 1993, Jimmy Valvano, coach of the North Carolina State basketball team, that was his motto, never give up, don't ever give up. So we, we adopted that, and it's stuck to this day, and it'll st- stick forever. And I also recently read something somewhere, you know, always show up, never give up. Anything is possible. You are unstoppable. So that's kind of the new thing that we're, we're, we're sharing with the team this year. Hey, just show up, compete, do the work, never give up. And then anything is possible. You can do anything you want. All you got to do is make up your mind and you can do it. Um, you are unstoppable. So we kind of went with that never give up theme from Jimmy Valvano when he passed away from cancer in 1993. And I think just showing up is, is half the battle, you know, yeah. whether it's waking up early for a workout or, um, you know, staying maybe up a little late studying. Uh, I think, you know, just that showing up and, and being present in the moment uh, goes a long way. So I wanted to 
bring up your your book braving your adversity because i believe it's been out now for about a year yeah yeah it's been out a year it's hard to believe <laughs> so can you go in a little bit about how that all came about was it your idea was it was tiffany was it her idea like who said hey let i want to write a book yeah so after tiffany passed away i finally got my own facebook account i always lived vicariously through her she would always tell me get your own account get your own account no no i'll just live through yours and then i would comment on her and she'd be like you can't be commenting on my facebook post anyway so i finally got my facebook post and i was just sharing stories here and there about whether it's coaching or her and uh, people would just say you should write a book you should write a book and then covid hit and i wasn't teaching I wasn't coaching. That was going to be a really, really good boys track and field team. And, you know, pretty, pretty sad, pretty bummed down. I thought, you know what? I am going to write a book. This will be the best way that I can honor Tiff's life. So when I wrote the book, it's not just a story about her or our life together, but it's a story to help anyone brave their adversity, no matter what that adversity might be. So yeah, it shares her message of hope, faith, and courage, but at the same time, it's a self-help book to help people through their most challenging and difficult days. So you could say COVID was kind of the, the perfect storm. It, was, it gave yeah. you an opportunity to, to sit down and, and honor her and, and write this book. Do you have a favorite chapter in the book, one that you'd recommend uh, readers read? Yeah, so one part that I really love about the book is I had a hard time with wedding rings and not losing them. Okay. And I'd lost my first wedding ring, tried to keep it from Tiff. I'm not a good liar. She knew something was up. I said, oh, I'm sorry, honey. I think I accidentally threw it away. Instead of a piece of trash, I think they threw their wedding ring away. So she buys me another one. Of course, I lose that second one. We were down at the beach. I dropped it in the sand. And Zach, Tiff, and I are down in the sand trying to find it. Can't find it. So I just looked at her. I said, honey, you don't have to buy me another wedding ring. I'm with you forever. You're with me forever. You don't have to do it. She buys me the third wedding ring. Now, the first wedding ring, the inside of it is inscri was inscribed, love you forever. That was kind of our little thing. We always told each other, love you forever. The second wedding ring was inscribed, love you forever. The third wedding ring, mm -hmm. don't lose this one. Is that what it was? <laughs> That's great. Oh, my gosh. Don't but that was her. That yeah. was her. She was fun. She kept life enjoyable. And believe it or not, I haven't lost that one. <laughs> wow, it's oh, phenomenal. I saw uh, inside the book, then you have some photos um, yeah. of, of Tiffany and yourself and, and, of course, the kids. What was what was that like, bringing the book together? What emotional roller coaster, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I wrote that book in four months. Four and months. And it was like Tiffany was sitting on my shoulder. I started on a, on a May 1st, June. I started on June 1st, finished on October 1st, the writing part of it. And then there's a lot of other parts you have to do. And it was like she was, she was just sitting right there on my shoulder, write about this, tell them about this, encourage them to, the, to do this. And uh, I would write a chapter a week and I would share it with my writing coach and he would make some corrections and help me through it. And uh, the toughest parts of the book, obviously the toughest chapters were writing about the last few months. And when she passed away, I needed to take a week or two off after writing those chapters. But, but uh, yeah, it just, uh, it was like she was sitting on my shoulder and she was just telling me what to write. She, I'm sure she was watching over and, <laughs> and helping you um, through the book and, and getting it completed. I will say you probably have one of the best uh, headshot photos in there. <laughs> I had a really good photographer. Thank and for you. those of you who don't know, it was Austin. It was Sully who took that yep, picture. Coach Bear came into our <laughs> studio here. On uh, 9th Street at uh, Color Tech or Blue Cardinal Photography, and, and we got, got to it. take that photo. I photographed in Lincoln Financial Field and Madison Square Garden, Papa John Stadium. But that, <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite photos. Yeah, I love it. Not even kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite. So as you're writing the book, 
you know, and you had those moments where, hey, I need to take a break. I need to, um, you know, just just take a break from it all. I gotta ask, how do you how do you stay how do you stay so positive um, in adverse times? Because you, you you've been through a lot, but yet you you raise great kids. You you coach you know, phenomenal track athletes. Um, and you're always so positive and so upbeat, you know, you always have a smile on yourself. I don't think I've ever seen you (laughs) frown or upset, you know, you know, you go into each and every day, there's two things that you can say, you know, I have to go or I get to go. So if you take the negative approach, I have to go to work today, or I have to do this today. But if you take the approach of, I get to go to work today, I get to see this person or that person today. It's a big, big difference. You know, I get to teach a hundred students every day. And then the next day, it's a different hundred students through the course of a five day week, you know, you see 500 plus kids. And then I get the opportunity to coach kids on a daily basis. Some of them throughout the entire school year. I'll just give you one example, and it's not all me. It always has to go back to the person. At the beginning of this track season, we had a boy on the team that was failing five subjects, almost every single subject. And within a matter of three weeks, he got it down to just one subject so he could be eligible, so he could compete, and he's still doing well, and he's still eligible, and he's competing. And that's just just one example of a success story. And it's not because of me. You know, I say things, but they're got to be the ones to do it. But that young man is around 50 other boys that are positive and they bring the juice and they bring the hype and they bring the energy and the positivity to practice every day. It's probably one of the only times in this young man's life that he's been around people like that for an extended period of time and look what it's done for him. And that's what it's all about. You know, make those changes, make those positive changes, be the best person you can be, be a difference maker. And I certainly hope he makes it to the rest of this year. That's phenomenal. Uh, That's like a a total uh, turnaround and good, good for him. You yes, know, good for and, him. And hopefully, you know, his fellow athletes and uh, are supportive, and it sounds like they are. They are. Because it goes a long way. You know, if you're a famous quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. Yes. If you want to go far, you go together. Exactly. And, and I think that's so important, whether it's work-related, school-related, or, or sports. I think it's it's uh, it's true. It's I love true. that quote. We just used a quote last week when we had our big show down with Van Heim Township and McCaskey. You know, as, as we, we may be strong as individuals, mm-hmm. but as a team— we are invincible. Wow. Yeah. Be a team. That's it. That's it for sure. So now coach, how can our listeners connect with you and and kind of follow along on your journey? Yeah. So I'm out there on Twitter and Facebook. If you go to Facebook, just search Rob Bear, Twitter, it's uh, at coach bear at coach underscore bear and Instagram. It's at coach bear. So you can check those things out. If anybody would ever be interested in ordering the book, if they just go to bravingyouradversity.com or they can go to amazon.com and they can search braving your adversity and they can find it that way. Perfect. Yeah, I have my hard copy here in the studio. <laughs> I have read through the first chapter, and uh, of course, you know it is it is an emotional read, um, but it's it's definitely well worth it. And uh, there is some bits of knowledge that I think people can take to better themselves and their and their their livelihood. Uh, before we close out, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about yourself, or anything I missed? You know. I've just been blessed with so many people. You've been one of the blessings in my life. You know, ever since you graduated, kids have emulated what you did as a captain. Uh, My parents, my family, my teachers, my coworkers, my friends. uh, Without them, I would have never gotten to where I'm at today in in as good a shape positivity-wise as I can. You know, the thing that I challenge people is there lives in each of us a hero that's waiting the call to action. 
every single one of us can be a difference maker to somebody else in our life. I just encourage you to make that phone call, send that text, send that email, encourage somebody, just one person. If you just encourage one person each and every day, you're going to get 365 people that you've been a difference maker to in the course of a year. I think that's that's so important and, and so true. You can make a difference, even if it may seem small to you. It's it's huge for, mm-hmm. for someone else. And uh, when I come to some of your uh, photo shoots to do the team and individual photos, I started saying to the, the athletes while we're getting the team photo set up, you're not only representing your, your school with the name, but you're also representing yourself and your family. Uh, and you want to put on you know, the best performance you can and, and always put your best foot forward, even if you're not having a great day. Um, and I, th- I think that's so important. So I got to ask also, are you still involved with the American Heart Association? Yeah, I am. Ebenezer Elementary School okay. continues to crush it every year. Used to be called Jump Rope for Heart. Now it's called Kids Heart Challenge. And it's our way of making a difference for people that suffer from heart disease. So we tell the kids three things. Hey, we got three goals here. One, make your own heart stronger. Two, save people's lives and three have fun and we just finished our 26th annual kids heart challenge used to be known as jump rope for heart we set a new school record this year over fifty-four thousand dollars coming just from ebenezer elementary school and in our 26 years that takes us to seven hundred ninety-two thousand dollars so in another four or five years we're going to hit that million dollar level and uh, it's going to be party time that'll be great (laughs) yeah we'll have to have you back on for for that and uh, do you see any any books, any other books in your future? Do you think you'll ever write a second follow-up? or? So I got five years till I, till I retire from teaching, and I might keep coaching at that point, but I think that will be a great time to write a second book. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be more along the lines of a coaching perspective and just sharing story after story of, of some of you guys and just how coaches can be the best that they can be and just some of the life lessons that I've learned from the teams that I've coached from my assistant coaches and from watching other coaches in the field do what they do so well. Well, coach, you can definitely uh, retire from teaching, but I hope you continue to coach <laughs> um, as, as I would love for my kids and maybe one day, you know, for you to, to for you to coach them. I think that would be phenomenal. That, uh, that would that'd be. be a great experience. Any, anything I missed that uh, you'd like the listeners to know? I just really appreciate you having me on here today, Austin. It's been great talking with you, and hopefully uh, we made a difference in some people's lives today. Awesome. Well, Rob Bear on the American Grown podcast in the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. If you want to see more American Grown content, follow along on Facebook and Instagram. Username American Grown Podcast. If you received any value, please Share this episode with friends, family, and coworkers. And lastly, subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at AmericanGrownPod at gmail.com.